You are listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Hunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome. My name is GL Davis, founder of The Paranormal Chronicles and author of the worldwide bestseller that reviewers are calling one of the most terrifying books ever written. That is Haunted Horror of Haverford West. There you read alone in bed at night. We hope all our listeners are keeping safe at this time. Your life matters and I'm sending you my love from Pembrokeshire, West Wales and know we will get through this. Thank you for joining me on my journey as we delve deep into skinwalker sightings, ghosts, Native American folklore, Bigfoot, UFOs and so much more. The Paranormal Chronicles podcast series brought to you by sick-books.com. So visit sick-books.com today and start your paranormal reading adventure. If this is your first time listening, then please follow so you never miss an episode. Plus, all followers get entered into a followers monthly prize draw to win a fantastic book from sick-books.com. Press follow now, download and listen to our huge archive of amazing content. Big news for us, we are now on Patreon. Become a VIP today and access ad-free and early access episodes. Have extra draws in the book giveaway. Access to digital content. Be part of an exclusive VIP Amazon prize draw. And get this, you get two free digital books. And one of them, it's my controversial bestseller, Go Sex, The Violation. All of that for a free pound or dollar subscription. Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. That's patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. Go VIP today. Final announcement before we get on with this incredible show. I am thrilled and honoured to announce that my fourth book is set for release. Harvest, the true story of alien abduction is ready for pre-order. Release date, Halloween 2020. Pre-order Harvest, the true story of alien abduction by me, GL Davis, today from wherever books are sold on tonight's show. Was a skinwalker scene running alongside a car? What dark Native American history has come back to haunt us? What did multiple witnesses see in the sky after a concert? What ghosts and creatures reside in Oklahoma? I am blessed to speak to Marnie Vinge, Oklahoma native and author of several superb books, including Eerie Oki Shorts Volume 1. And she is the host of the Sublime Eerie Oki podcast. Marnie Vinge has so many chilling accounts that you will need to listen to this interview twice. This interview will creep you out. On with the show. Marnie, let's start at the beginning. What started you on your paranormal path? Okay, so when I was a kid, I've talked about this a little bit on my podcast, and my dad worked for Kermagee, which is a, it was a very large oil company in Oklahoma and also internationally. He traveled a lot. He worked a whole lot. And a lot of the work that he did, he would have to bring home with him. And he had an office in our little house and more, and he would be working late at night. And sometimes I would go in there, I was pretty little, and um, he'd be listening to the radio. And I would start to walk in and he would be like, are you sure that you're grown up enough to come in here? Because we're listening to some scary stuff. And mm. he would be listening to Coast to Coast. Yeah, so that was kind of a very, very cool thing as a kid to hear those stories, especially as someone so young and impressionable. I think that that really kind of 
opened my mind to the possibility of other things out there. But yeah, he, and I think that he unwittingly kind of turned me on to all of that. I don't think he really knew that that's where I would end up with my career and everything when he was letting me listen to that as a child. Had you had any paranormal experiences at this stage of your life? As, at that stage, I had not. I had a few as I got a little bit older. The first one that I really remember, I was probably 12 or 13 years old and I was at my grandparents' house and they had a bedroom for me in there. And I had a bed that had a, um, it was like, it was from the fifties and it had a bookshelf in the headboard. And on top of the bookshelf, I had, I collected a lot of Beanie Babies and I had this one that was, I think it was a polar bear or some kind of bear. So it wasn't very big, you know, Beanie Babies are only like six inches tall or whatever. Um, and I remember one night walking out of my bathroom into the room and I swore that that doll or that plush toy turned its head. And I remember just kind of feeling this chill come over my body. And it was something that I had never really experienced before. And I, even though I was only 12 or 13, I think that social programming that we have by that time, that's like, paranormal stuff is not real. It's crazy to talk about this, any of that, that's bad. Um, I think that that kind of took over and kind of hijacked my brain and was like, okay, this didn't really happen. You were, the lights were dim. You imagined this, this is not, you know, a real thing. But I, I very vividly remember that. I take it your father was very open to the notion of the paranormal. Had he had his own paranormal experiences or was it just something he was interested in? I think it was just something he was interested in. He never talked very openly about any of that. He was he was kind of closed off with his emotions and stuff. And um, I do remember, I do have a an interesting story, though, that has to do with him. Uh, when I was about 18, I believe I was 18 because my dad died when I was 19. Um, and my grandma died when I was 18. My mom and I decided there was something here in the city called a spirit fair, which is basically just like psychics and tarot readers and people selling witchcraft paraphernalia, kind of like a craft fair, but for that kind of stuff. And my mom was like, we should go. That would be fun. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. We'll go. So we go and I'm, I'm kind of expecting like, you know, people to be dressed up and wearing like the typical things that you think of when you imagine someone reading from a crystal ball. And um, there were certainly people there like that, but there was this one gentleman who was sitting at the end of the row of tables. He was dressed in like a polo shirt and khaki pants, like very normal. He would not have stood out if he was in the grocery store or anywhere else. And um, he didn't have anybody at his table and he had a little sign with how much his readings were and everything. And I kind of didn't really want to stay that long. And so I was like, okay, well, let's go to this guy because he doesn't have a line and we'll do this and it'll be fun and we'll get it over and we'll go home. And so we go up to him and he's, you know, we pay and everything. My mom's standing behind me and I sit down and he starts reading for me and he gets a lot of things right, like very spot on about my relationships with my parents and all this stuff. And that my cousin at the time was in the ICU, all of that, which that was really, really shocking to me that he knew my cousin was in the ICU and, um, and he knew some details about that, blah, blah, blah. So we go on with the reading and then he says something about my grandma who had just passed. And so I was like, okay, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. But then I was like, well, a lot of people have dead grandmothers, you know, like that, that's probably something that 
anyone who was wanting to pretend to be a psychic could pick up on just by virtue of your age. And so I, you know, I kind of dismissed that. And um, then we get to the end and he says, he says, so there's another child, right? You, you have a sibling. And I'm like, okay, this guy is for real full of shit because I do not <laughs> have a sibling. I was, I'm an only child. I have been an only child my entire life. And I just look at him and I'm like, no, I don't. And he goes, there's another child. And I'm like, okay, dude, look, like there's not, I, I was there for my entire upbringing. There was not another child. And so like he and I go back and forth arguing about this. And like, I can't see my mom's face during any of this. And I'm just like, dude, like there's not another kid. Okay. Like I'm an only child. And so finally he like, he, he doesn't ever like acquiesce to me. He doesn't ever say, okay, you're right. I'm wrong. But finally he lets it go and we finished the reading. And so we like walked to the car and I'm like, God, that was so worthless. Like that was, that was such a crock of shit. Like, you know, that guy, you know, it was, it was exactly what I thought it would be. So my mom's pretty quiet and I don't think anything of it. We go home, you know, another year passes. My dad passes away around Christmas of 2006. And my mom and I are sitting at the kitchen table um, going through photographs to prepare for the slideshow for his funeral. And so we're looking and I come across, you know, I see all these different pictures of me as a kid with my dad and stuff. And then we get to this one picture and it's a young girl, probably 12 or 13, standing in a room that I can obviously tell is the bathroom at our old house. So like she's in my old house and I don't know who she is. And I look at it and I'm like, who is this? And my mom looks at me and she says, well, there's something your dad was meaning to tell you. And I like, that's not a phrase you ever want to hear at any point in time, (laughs) let alone like right after your father dies. So I'm like, Oh God, what is she about to tell me? So he was married before and he had another daughter. (gasps) Yes. Yes. And I had no idea my entire upbringing. He never mentioned it, anything. And so I immediately, it probably not immediately, but probably within a week of that time from that event and his funeral, um, I kind of put the pieces together and I thought back on that psychic. And I was like, oh my God, like that guy is for real. And it turned out that the guy who did the reading, I cannot think of his name to save my life, but he had worked with the FBI on stuff. And he now, the last time I checked on him, I can't remember his name now, but the last time I checked on him, I think he was living in maybe Seattle, somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest. And his main purpose now is that he helps hospice patients cross over, which I thought was really beautiful and wonderful and everything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that was, that was mind blowing to me for that guy to have picked up on that. Like with me not having any knowledge of it. So that was kind of, um, so to, to answer your question, my dad was not super open about like the paranormal or anything like that. I think he looked at it more of an entertainment kind of thing. Um, my mom and my grandparents were very open about it. You have sent me to Goosebump City. I've got Goosebump oh running so up and down. <laughs> I love it. You spent a lot of time collating and researching Native American folklore and the dark history of Oklahoma concerning the indigenous people there. Have you got any stories you can share with us about that with our listeners? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of the biggest compliments that I've gotten um, a few times in the making of the podcast has come from people who are of Indigenous descent that have told me that I've done a good job in covering the things that have to do with Native folklore. And I really, really take that very seriously because I feel like it's an aspect of Oklahoma history that is often whitewashed and overlooked. And a lot of it is not taught in our schools, which is very, in some ways, surprising, in some ways not. Um, so one of the things I cover true crime on the podcast and a lot of times true crime kind of bleeds into the paranormal type stuff, um, which I, I always find very fascinating. That is, that's kind of an interesting thing, but one of my favorite stories that I have heard in the making of the podcast came from a friend of mine who, um, she was on and we talked about cryptids and, um, she kind of prepared an outline and everything and, told me the basics of what she was going to talk about, but didn't tell me the stories so that we could get my reaction on the podcast. And she told one that blew my mind because I didn't even know that this was a thing in Oklahoma or anything like that. So there was somebody who wrote her an email when she was asking her friends for stories that had been driving on highway or I-40, Interstate 40, which is the highway that goes from west to east, east to west, across Oklahoma. So the way that Oklahoma is, it's very densely populated in Oklahoma City, but as you go east or west, that kind of spreads out, and then you get into like farmland and um, prairie and that sort of thing on the west, and on the east, there's like hills and trees and very dense forest. Um, Still cities and stuff, but lots of dense forest. You're driving on the highway, very sparsely lit, that kind of thing. It's dark, kind of spooky at night, that sort of thing. Um, And a lot of people who live in Oklahoma City or who work in Oklahoma City live in places like Shawnee, which is about 30 minutes from Oklahoma City to the east. So there was someone who contacted her that said one night they were driving down I-40, I think coming home from work or going to work or something like that. And um, he reported a skinwalker in Oklahoma, which... I had never heard of, and basically, I don't know if your listeners are familiar. They probably are because I imagine that this is something a lot of people are interested in who are interested in the paranormal, but typically skinwalker stories go something like this. Like the person is driving on the highway and all of a sudden they spot something out of their peripheral vision to the right or left on the side of the road that is running, keeping pace with their car. And it typically has a humanoid shape yet simultaneously animal so it's kind of like it's very very scary to think about and this guy um the thing with skinwalkers is they are not talked about very often among native people it's not something you're supposed to talk about it's kind of it's very very scary um a lot of people take it very seriously and this guy saw one out the side side view of his car and it kept pace with him, it growled at him. Like, I mean, it was textbook, the kind of experience that people usually have in the Southwest um, part of the nation. And so that was very, very interesting to me that that, you know, happened in Oklahoma. Um, and another, another, this is kind of a fun story. Um, so there is a, well, it's fun and it's also dark, but there is a place down um, a little bit southeast of where I live. I live in the middle of the state, and it is called Sacred Heart Mission. And it was a Catholic mission that had an Indian boarding school. 
So the Indian boarding schools, if you ask the Catholic church about them, um, their view of that is a lot different than many people uh, because the basic purpose of them was to kill the Native American culture, basically. Um, they took the kids into the schools. They made them give up their Native names. They gave them American or English names. Um, they forbid them from speaking their language, you know, things like that. Did everything they could to kill that culture. And um, a lot of the places were not known for being super, not good places. I mean, they were known for abuse and things like that. And I don't know of any actual accounts of abuse at Sacred Heart, but it was a boarding school. And that place has come to be kind of an urban legend in that part of the state. Like kids will go there at night looking for spooky stuff, like wanting to hear voices. The reports that people have of that area are, if you go back to the old mission, which has like a couple of cemeteries, one for nuns and one for um, the brothers. And they say that you can see ghosts, you can see lights, you can hear voices, all kinds of stuff. This incredible interview continues after these important messages. Is the poltergeist syndrome the only type of paranormal phenomena that can really be proven? Read Poltergeist, a new investigation into destructive haunting today. Available on e-reader and wherever books are sold. Visit www.sixth-books.com for more information. Become the alchemist of your world. In The Secret of the Alchemist, Colm Holland reveals how you can discover the power to miraculously change the world around you beyond all recognition and for the better. Colm will tell you the story of his encounter with Paolo Coelho and his best-selling book, The Alchemist, and how discovering the secret gave him the insights to achieve true empowerment in his life and how you can too. Read The Secret of the Alchemist today. Available from wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com to learn how you too can become the alchemist of your life. This is Jason Bland, host of Midwest Paranormal Presents Paranormal Soup, where we stream live as a webcast every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, with guests who will blow your mind. Live ghost box sessions where you can call into the show to see if the spirits will talk to you. And the World Wide Web of Weird, with the latest in paranormal news and evidence. We're bringing the weird every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Paranormal entities assaulting us. Ghost Sex The Violation is the best selling true account and study of paranormal sexual abuse. Ghost Sex The Violation by GL Davis is available on Kindle and through Amazon. Pray this never happens to you. What if the after effects of a near death experience were undeniable? What if a person could suddenly produce high quality paintings of the afterlife, or if they acquired the ability to compose classical symphonies? Read Shine On. The remarkable story of how I fell under a speeding train, journeyed to the afterlife, and the astonishing proof I brought back with me. Read Shine On today on e-readers and wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com today. Does Genesis teach that the human race was created by God or engineered by ETs? Read Escaping from Eden. 
today from wherever books are sold. GL here, and before we get back to the interview, did you know you can listen to this podcast not only ad-free, but with early VIP access as a TPC VIP Patreon. As a VIP, you will get two digital books, including my bestseller, Go Sex the Violation, to keep and read, plus digital content, two extra draws in our follower monthly book giveaway, and exclusive entry into a VIP Amazon gift voucher draw. This is the spooky part. All of that is just £3 or $3 to go VIP. So go VIP today so you don't hear ads like this again. Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. That's patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. On with the show. Anyway. My cousin and I went out there to investigate it. We went in the daytime and we got to talk to a priest that worked there. And we lucked out because there was the groundskeeper there that day. And he um, was very, very uh, helpful. He wanted to take us on a tour of the old mission, which is closed to the public. If you go there, you are trespassing. Um, They have so many problems with it that on Halloween and sometimes periodically throughout the year, a deputy from the sheriff's department will sit there waiting for people because so many people have <laughs> asked. Yes, it's a problem. Like they, they cover it here in the news every year at Halloween. So um, they, and they really don't like it, you know, cause people, they live out there. And so it's very disturbing to them for people to be out there trespassing all that. And they're happy to give tours, but he took us back. And so he starts telling us about all the different things that have gone on there. And I asked him a little bit about the hauntings. And he says that um, back in the fifties, when that kind of got started, there was a particular brother who lived there who thought it was very entertaining that people thought the place was haunted. So he would dress up like a ghost and wait for the teenagers, (laughs) which probably served only to stoke the fires of that urban legend and make it more popular. Um, He loved doing that. And then the guy who lives there now, he, um, he usually parks his truck kind of, oh, maybe 50 yards back from the gate to get into the old mission. And he lives back on the property of the old mission in a new house um, that's not visible from the road or anything. And so sometimes he'll park there and like wait for people just to kind of tell him to go away. Um, And what he'll do is flash his lights and they're kind of in the distance. And the other thing is he often, you know, is out, you know, making noise and stuff. And everything that people have reported in that location Um, In my investigation, I really believe a lot of what they are experiencing as paranormal is actually this guy just kind (laughs) of like living his life. So that's that's kind of a a fun one. Um, There's there's a lot of Native American history tied up in that, too. And um, another thing about Native stuff here is I don't know if you're familiar with the Osage murders. Okay, so um, back in the I want to say it was the 20s. That might be wrong. Um, anyone can feel free to correct me. Uh, there was kind of an oil boom and like all this stuff going on. And by virtue of the fact of where the land was that had the oil, a lot of Native Americans got very rich, very, very rich. And there were a lot of white people who did not like that and started systematically murdering these Native Americans. Um, and one of those stories, this is probably one of my favorite ghost stories in Oklahoma, and I also had a paranormal experience here, there's a place called the Grisso Mansion. And 
basically the story of that place, there was a very young native girl who was in possession of a lot of land and a lot of money. And a man married her, Mr. Grisso, I believe it was Doc Grisso, because he was the coroner of that area and the pharmacist, which will come into play. So he married her. She was very, very, very young, probably way too young to get married. Then she died. And he ruled as the coroner that it was natural causes. And so he got all of her land, all that good stuff. And the Grisso Mansion that is there now, I believe it's closed now. It used to be open. I've, I've been there. Um, it is reportedly haunted from a lot of that strife and those sorts of things. And one of the women, I'm not sure that it's his first wife. It might be his second wife is supposed to haunt the place. And I kind of had an experience there when I went there for my birthday. It was one of the only times that I have been in a haunted location and felt, had that feeling that something was next to me, like the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And I absolutely, like even talking about it right now, I can feel it again. Hmm. Like there was absolutely the feeling of a presence. And I remember looking at my cousin and I said, do you feel that? And she was like, yeah, I do. And we were standing in this little alcove off of the wife's bedroom that was known for being a place where people from the street would see her in that window. So it was kind of, it was very, very interesting. The only experience I had the whole time I was there, but it was very distinct and strong. And I mean, I'll never forget it. So yeah. But yeah, wow. there's lots of Native American folklore, lots of true crime tied up in that too. And um, one of the things that we're experiencing now is um, Native American women go missing and are murdered at a higher rate than white women in Oklahoma. So that's kind of a, the thing that we're dealing with now, and I want to cover that on the podcast and everything, so I'm kind of trying to gather information about that. But, but yeah, there is a wealth of folklore that is wonderful and very interesting, so much fun and just culturally vibrant. I love it so much. I would have been happy to let you go all night long. I was there. I had goosebumps. I was engaged. That is incredible. You are listening to Marnie Venge, okay? She has millions of these stories accounts histories experiences right she's got them in her books the eerie oaky short reads volume one she's got them on her podcast the eerie oaky podcast now i don't need to give any spoilers these native american women that are being murdered or going missing do you think that's something to do with the material world or something to do with the paranormal world i Honestly, I think because of some accounts from people, friends that I have personally who are Native um, that have had kind of close brushes with this, I think a lot of it probably is uh, true crime, like the natural, not supernatural kind of stuff, which unfortunately, I mean, I almost wish that it wasn't like that it was the other way. But yeah, terrifying nonetheless. Now, a little yeah. bit told me you have a connection to Joey Exotic, the Tiger it's King. True. What's yes. going on there? He gets everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so so Joe Exotic, in Oklahoma, he is kind of like, kind of a joke. I mean, he's always been around. Everybody knows who he is. But he's kind of like this really, you know, flamboyant showman, kind of known for being a con artist type person, that sort of thing. Nobody really takes him that seriously here. So when Tiger King became a thing, it was kind of, a lot of people were joking, saying things like, well, I'm not from that Oklahoma. I'm from this Oklahoma and like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. 
don't pretend you are definitely from the same Oklahoma that Joe Exotic is from. And anyway, so um, one of my friends who I have known since we were in seventh grade, um, Jay Sheldon, who is a very gifted filmmaker, he's actually won an Emmy for one of his uh, documentaries. And he, uh, when he was just first getting started, probably about the time when we started college, you know, and you're really, you're chasing that dream, you're really hungry, you're willing to take on anything, you know, you, you'll take the crap work that, that other more seasoned people will not take, you know, you're looking for an opportunity. He got on Craigslist one day, and this was right around the time that Joe Exotic started his, like, Joe, I think it's joeexotic.tv was what it was, I don't think it's there anymore, I'm not sure, but um, he kind of had his own television program where he would rant and rave mainly about Carol Baskin and yeah. other things and like his presidential ambitions, all of that good stuff. And Jay, my friend got on Craigslist one day and he was looking for work, you know, trying to get started as a filmmaker and he sees this post and it says, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. I need somebody that can run a studio. It can do this, can do that, blah, blah, blah. Contact such and such. It was Joe exotic. And Jay very nearly ended up with that job. So I, I like to tease him about that because I, I often tell him, you know, he could have ended up as one of Joe Exotic's husbands because he would have been in the right age group. And, you know, I think he would have, Joe would have loved him. So it's, um, it's very funny. And I think, you know, I have, I have friends that have had encounters with him and it's just weird to think that the entire world have now seen this one man from Oklahoma and now they all think that this is, you know, who we are or whatever. But it's, it is, I watched Tiger King. I binged it all in one sitting. I loved it. It was like such a train wreck. So much fun to watch. Perfect quarantine material. I've got a, I've got another Tiger story from Oklahoma that this is kind of, it's not really paranormal, but it's kind of funny. And everybody after Tiger King came out, everybody who lived here was kind of joking, like, you know, everybody in the world thinks that Tiger King is so crazy. Wait until they hear about the Tiger NATO that happened. So we have <laughs> tornadoes here, really, really bad tornadoes. You know, the, the last really bad one was uh, May 20th of 2013. And I believe it was either 2013 or maybe a couple years after there was another one, but not like super, super bad. But this particular tornado hit another private zoo. And when it hit that zoo, the tigers got out. So, yes. So for a couple days, there were tigers roaming Tuttle, Oklahoma. That was lots of fun and it was right around the time that uh shark nato was really popular so everybody was like in oklahoma it's the tiger nato <laughs> the eerie oki podcast absolutely superb i was binging it yesterday talking about binge listening that was absolutely superb i was enjoying it so much what's the favorite thing you've covered on the podcast um gosh my favorite thing i've covered this might also tie into like a cool kind of thing that has happened on the podcast. So back last summer, I got the opportunity to go interview Becky Luker at the Stone Lion Inn. And the Stone Lion Inn is probably, probably the most famous haunted location in Oklahoma. It's been featured on, I believe, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. They've both investigated it. Um, and I believe that several other paranormal groups have investigated there uh, that are not on television, stuff like that. 
Um, it's a really cool place. It's a bed and breakfast. It's been there for a hundred years. Um, it's only had three owners in that hundred years. And one of them is Becky. So um, I believe Becky, she bought it in 1986 and she had moved from Santa Fe, New Mexico to here to start a new life. She'd just gotten divorced. Um, and she was going to buy a place in, I believe, Arkansas or Missouri and ended up not purchasing that place, ended up coming to Oklahoma, um, turned it into a bed and breakfast. The place used to be a, it was a private home and then it was a funeral home. Um, so when I went to interview her there, I had never been there before. It's a really cool historic home. Um, and the room that we sat in was actually the room that they used for visitations during the era that it was a funeral home. And she showed me how um, there were these windows kind of over to the, I think it was the east, uh, that would be opened so that the smell would not be so bad. Like that's where they would put the casket. And it was really, really interesting. Um, but anyway, when I was interviewing her, we sat down, we were just sitting in that room. It was really, it was kind of funny because I took my, um, I use a roadcaster and I took that with me. Didn't think about this at all, but in a building that old, the outlets are not the same as they are in my house. So we had to hunt for a good 30 minutes to find an adapter to get the roadcaster to work. We finally found it. We sat down, I started the interview. And at some point during the interview, I felt a cold, cold chill, but I thought at the time that it was more of, you know how in the summertime, if you get a little bit sweaty and you're somewhere hot and then yeah. a breeze comes through, you kind of get a chill, that sort of thing. That's, um, that's kind of what I thought. Like my skin got a little bit cool. I was sweating because that place is it's very old. The air conditioner is not on. We conduct the interview. We get done. She was lovely. She was probably one of my favorite people that I've ever interviewed on the podcast. And I go home. I edit the episode. I listen to it twice. And I put it out into the world the next day. And about, I wake up at like eight in the morning. And every morning, every Friday that the podcast goes out, it goes out every other Friday now. Um, it goes out at 5 a.m. Because I know there are a lot of people who listen to it on their way to work, that sort of thing. Um, and I have this message in my inbox when I wake up and this girl's like, who listens to the podcast? She says, girl, have you listened to this episode? And I was like, oh God, what did I do? Did I mess hmm. up the audio? Like that sort of thing. And she, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I listened to it twice. And she was like, did you not hear that? And I was like, what are you talking about? And she gives me the timestamp to go listen to. And I plug in my phone to my Bluetooth speaker, or plug it into the aux cord or whatever. And I turn it all the way up and I'm sitting in my bed and I'm listening and I roll it back about 30 seconds from that point and I start listening. And Becky's talking about, um, I believe she's talking about the playroom, which is one of the haunted rooms, especially haunted rooms in the uh, house. And I like, it was one of those moments where, you know, when you experience something supernatural and it brings tears to your eyes. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there and with that turned all the way up and I shit you not there is an EVP in that interview. Oh, what's it say? There is debate amongst the listeners about what it says. So some people believe it says come play, which I feel like fits with what she was talking about because she's talking about the playroom. And everybody who's ever investigated there has never really thought that there was like a bad presence or anything like that. It's thought to be one of the daughters who died is one of the ghosts. And so I'm kind of inclined to think that's what it was, but other people thought it said, go away. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it could also be that, you know, if it was a little kid saying, you know, Hey, go away, like get out of here, that kind of thing. But, um, but it is very distinct. It is 
the only time that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And I had one listener who messaged me and he was like, I'm really kind of upset right now because I've been trying to catch an EVP for 12 years and you just go somewhere and hit record and you catch a class A. <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. It's always the same, Marnie. I went on an urban exploration with an adventurer. She was a very robust adventurer. She took me to an abandoned World War One uh, fort, which was decayed and ruinous on the coast here in Pembrokeshire. And we managed to get in and we went underground and it was horrific. It was absolutely terrible. The water was up to my shins. The water was moving because a sheep had fallen down here and died and it was full of maggots. So the water was full of maggots. And I'm asthmatic and it was horrific. There was the biggest spider eggs I've seen in my life. There was bats. It was just your stereotypical, horrible, haunted place. So I'm interviewing the lady who's taking us down here saying, like, you know, tell us a bit about the history. And I'm wheezing because it's so claustrophobic. The air was so dead down there. And so I interviewed her, went back home, putting it all together, put it out there. There's a voice there. You listen to it back and you can hear a man say stand and be recognized it's like what it was impossible to get there it was impossible like if it had been like a tramp or a hobo or vagrant it would have been a very difficult ruse to pull you know what i mean it's very strange thing i've never personally captured an evp until then and even a diehard skeptic who was quite notorious for being very difficult in such matters. He actually said, I think there's a voice down there saying stand and be recognized. You know, he says it sounds like it's coming out of the radio, which was awesome. So you've had paranormal encounters in terms of like ghosts and spirits and brushes with mediums. But have you ever had anything of an extraterrestrial nature? I have. In, I think it was 2015, um, one of my favorite bands in the whole world is Third Eye Blind. Um, and they came to Oklahoma City. They played, uh, there's a, a venue here that is part of the Oklahoma City Zoo, and they call it the Zoo Amphitheater. So it's like outdoors, really cool venue, got a nice stage, and it's got great acoustics, all of that. And um, it was my first time to go there for a concert. And I got my friend Dustin to go with me. And um, we go, and we have a really good time. The show is great, all of that. And we're walking out. And I, I would also like to preface this by saying I had nothing in my system that would have <laughs> impaired my judgment. I did not drink that night, nothing like that, anything. So we're walking out and we're in a crowd of people. Like, you know, there's, you know, when you're walking out of a concert, everybody's kind of like a herd of people going to their cars. And um, Dustin, he grabs my arm and he goes, Marnie, Marnie, look. And we both look up in the sky and over Oklahoma city, there is, I want to say that it was orange there's a light and it was kind of hovering, like just not moving. And so I thought, well, maybe it's a helicopter, but it was like this perfectly perfect orb. Like it wasn't, it wasn't shaped like the lights on an airplane. It wasn't like, you know, symmetrical where there's two over here and two over there. It was just a single light. And it seems pretty far in the distance. Like I'm not, I'm not great at gauging that type of distance, but maybe like a mile away or something, maybe a little bit further. Um, and so we both just stand there and people are like passing us, walking, not looking up. And then all of a sudden, that little orb shoots horizontally across the sky. And wow. I mean, it probably traveled, it traveled so fast and so far, just like in that split second, it was so weird. 
And then it stopped abruptly and then just slowly started lowering down and then disappeared. And I remember Dustin and I were both like, we're, we were not in our entire friendship. Neither of us had ever told the other, Hey, I'm into UFOs or, Hey, I've seen a UFO or anything. There was nothing to like prime us for that, you know? And so we were both kind of like, what in the hell did we just see? And he sent me an article. I think it was the day after or a couple days after that. Apparently several people had seen it. And I thought that was kind of a cool part of it that, you know, it wasn't just us. A lot of people had seen it and they had reported it as a UFO. And that was, that was really pretty cool. I, I don't think I've had any other UFO experiences besides that. My cousin has though, and his was very similar to mine. He was outdoors in his uh, mom's hot tub one night, looked up and saw the same kind of thing. But what he saw was cigar shaped and it traveled real fast across the sky and stopped and then disappeared. So very interesting what they might be looking out at about Oklahoma. I think his phenomenal full stop, your experience, it falls into a pattern of what other people have been seeing regularly for, for decades, if not further. And I'm very passionate on the subject. I won't go into it tonight. That's a discussion for another time, but I'm very passionate about what is happening to our planet and what mm-hmm. aliens may or may not be actually doing to us. And that's something I go into depth in my new book, Harvest, a True Story of Alien Abduction. But, you know, hopefully the ones you saw are nice and at least they didn't take you and Dustin away and do horrible things to you. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness. <laughs> Wake up in the morning and go, whoa, Dustin, what did we do? You know, yeah, I, exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just as an aside, what do you think? Do you think it's military? Do you think it's aliens? Do you think it's a natural phenomenon? I think there is. I think there are definitely like some of it might be military kind of like, I wonder a lot about like the reverse engineering of the technology, that kind of stuff. I think that might be the military experimenting with it, but I think there are definitely cases where that is not an adequate explanation of what someone saw. Um, especially like, I don't, uh, have you looked into Skinwalker Ranch or anything like that? Yeah. Well, funny enough, Willie Miranda, who was on the show before you, uh, when we're talking COVIDs, cryptids and conspiracies, he was talking about the Skinwalker Ranch. And he believes that, like what we were discussing before we started recording, that at Skinwalker Ranch, there might be a tear in the fabric between our reality and possibly another dimension. Because Oh, yeah. Yeah. That book absolutely blew my mind. Like that was it was so weird, like everything that that family experienced and what the researchers experienced. It was so bizarre. Do you have Bigfoot-like creatures in Oklahoma? Oh, yes. So Bigfoot, most, mostly when people think about like Sasquatch in America, they think Pacific Northwest. They think, you know, the Patterson-Gimlin film, California, that sort of thing. Bigfoot is a huge deal in Oklahoma, like huge um, there is a Bigfoot festival here every year, um, which I have actually attended. It's very, very fun, very like family oriented, lots of fun. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting about it is that there would be booths set up next to each other and there would be like one that's all about like cryptids and Bigfoot. And then right next to it would be someone like raising money for their church choir. So it was kind of, it's interesting <laughs> because we're right in the middle of the Bible belt, but there are a lot of people who really very strongly believe that Bigfoot is real. And, um, my friend Lauren, who was on the podcast, she is a an avid Bigfoot hunter. Like she goes out 
all the time um, looking that sort of thing. Her mom is a researcher and there's an area of Oklahoma, kind of the southeastern corner of the state. Uh, people often say that Oklahoma kind of has every type of uh, climate slash geography that a state in the United States can have, but in different parts of the state. Because like up in the northwest, it's very southwest desert-like. And then there's the southeastern part of the state that is dense, dense forest, like in the Kayamichi Mountains. Oh, that. And that is where a lot of people see um, have their Bigfoot sightings, but there was one recently about, I want to say like maybe 20 miles from my house recently, someone saw one, uh, north of Lexington. So that's kind of, um, you know, people see, see it here all the time. Like there's a lot, a lot going on with Bigfoot in Oklahoma. <laughs> we had a discussion on the show with Ron C. Mayer. He's written a book called Bigfoot Singularity, and he reckons the reason we can't actually get clear evidence of Bigfoot is not that they're a hoax or they don't exist is because they're either alien or dimensional and that they can just disappear they can cover their tracks when they do live on the planet then yeah they do act like a creature they do try and blend in but when push comes to shove they can just use their dimensional powers and disappear which is fantastic mm -hmm. you know I'd love to see a Bigfoot like creature what would you do if you saw one in the yard I would probably pee my pants. Like, I would probably be terrified. <laughs> I, I think that would really, like, shake up my worldview. One of my, speaking of what you just said, one of my favorite things that I have seen in my career doing the podcast, there, one of my friends did a documentary called The Town That Bigfoot Built, and it's available on YouTube. It's got kind of a cult following, um, and it's about Honubi, which is the town where they have the Bigfoot Festival. And there's a Native American gentleman on there who talks about how in his tribe's language, the word for Bigfoot is actually the same word as forget. And what they believe is that the reason that people start seeing Bigfoot is because they have gone through something so traumatic that they need something to hunt for to distract them from the pain in their life. Yeah. And I absolutely loved that. Like I thought that was, and he wasn't discounting it in any way saying it's not real, but he was saying like, it appears to people who need it. And that to me was like, just kind of very poetic and beautiful. And I really, really liked that. Um, I love that idea. Apart from one attack on a woman and a rape, I haven't heard any negative feedback about Bigfoot. You know, it seems to be a very gentle animal creature being, you know, whether it's spiritual, alien, dimensional, or it is just a natural being on the planet. Maybe it's a, a hybrid of mankind. Maybe it's an offshoot from our evolutionary tree. And, you know, I'm pro-life. And if anybody out there does have an experience with Bigfoot, don't hurt it. Just let it go. Yeah could be here to help someone we don't know you've written some fantastic books tell us a bit about your books um so i write i write thrillers and paranormal horror type stories i started last year kind of writing what i i called them irioki short reads and i've compiled them the first three into a volume together um and they're basically just kind of fictional stories based on some of the things that i've researched through the podcast and all of them are set in Oklahoma. Like they all have some element of something that I've talked about on the podcast or something that um, a guest has done in their life, that sort of thing. Um, like there's one, the first one I wrote, uh, it's called Jaws. And that is for um, a specific thing that happens in the story, but it's a vampire story. And it's set in Oklahoma. And um, that was really fun. I think it's, I think it's really, really cool to, 
set those things here because I know that when I was younger and um, voraciously reading, I would have loved it if there had been a horror story set in my hometown. Hmm. Like I would have thought that was so cool. And, um, and I, I just love Oklahoma. I love the folklore. I love the people here, um, love the landscape. And so I think it's just really fun to kind of take that thing that I see every day and put some kind of magic into it. That's kind of a, a fun thing to do. What would you say is your favorite story you've written? My favorite one that I've written, this one, I don't think that it had so much of a, a, a basis in something that I covered in the podcast, but it was one of my favorite ones that I've ever written. It's called The Fairchild Wolf. And it is about a girl who she's going kind of through a rough time in her personal life. And she goes to a pawn shop and she's there trying to find her roommate's ring that got, or a, an item that is her roommate's that got stolen from their house. And it was the main character's fault that the item got stolen. So she's kind of feeling guilt and trying to find this item for her friend. And her friend is not being very nice to her. And while they're there, she sees this taxidermied wolf. And she gets to talking to the guy. And she's like, I didn't even know there were wolves in Oklahoma. And he says, you know, they were run out by like 1938 or something like that. They'd all been hunted out of Oklahoma. And it's very rare to see them now. And there's something about the wolf that just like, really draws her in and she's like I am going to come back and buy this thing and I have no idea why I've never owned a piece of taxidermy in my entire life um I don't have a thing for wolves whatever so she buys it she brings it home and that's when things kind of get weird because the wolf may not be completely dead and uh it, it yeah and it so it gets it gets pretty weird and that's probably my favorite one that I've written. Um, I've had some fans write to me and tell me that that's their favorite of the three that I published in that anthology. Um, it gets real dark, real weird. And um, I kind of played with, uh, I remember back in the early 2000s, how there would be all kinds of like sketchy websites out there on GeoCities and Angel Fire with like the moving flames and stuff like that that would tell you about paranormal stuff. And you had no idea like how legitimate it was. And so I kind of played with that in that story and kind of sent her down a rabbit hole on the internet looking for what is this thing that I have acquired. And it was super, super fun. And I also tied it into um, my grandfather was a buyer for C.R. Anthony, who ran a company here called Anthony's. And it was like a clothing store, that sort of thing. And so Fairchild, the name in the story, Fairchild refers to a family that is kind of based on that family like not based on them in any way, except for that they also own a clothing store, that sort of thing. So that was kind of a fun tie into my own personal history with Oklahoma. But yeah, that was that one's been my favorite, I think. You were superbly talented. Where can people get hold of your books? Um, they are available on Amazon. I believe they're all in Kindle Unlimited right now. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it with that subscription or you can buy it on Kindle. Um, also, my the Irioki Short Reads, the compilation of the three novellas, is available on Amazon in paperback and the thriller that I just published. It does not have any supernatural elements, but it's more of a true crime type thriller is the way it ends. And that is also available on Kindle Unlimited and in paperback from Amazon. So that's the way it ends is available on Amazon Kindle and Arioki short reads volume one, which is all your stories in one volume. Yes, 
it is those three first novellas that I wrote. Well, listeners, we're in lockdown at time of recording. Hopefully, by the, you know, you might be listening to this in the future going, lockdown? What was that? Never heard of it. What are they on about? <laughs> Tiger King. Tiger King lockdown. <laughs> These people must be on magic mushrooms. What are they on about? And I sincerely hope you are living in a time in the future where you're like, whoa, what's this lockdown Tiger King stuff, right? What those people are ancestors are insane. But if you are kind of a bit more contemporary to that and you are stuck at home and maybe you're not commuting to work and you're sitting in the garden or sat at home and you're thinking, Do you know what? I'm gonna read a book. Go out and read Arioki Short Reads Volume One and the way it is by Marnie Vinch. She's an incredible writer. You've heard her tonight. She brings these stories to life. Imagine what her writing is like. And also your podcast. You've got this incredible podcast. Can you direct people to that? Because what I recommend is as soon as this interview's over, go and listen to some more Marnie. So Marnie, tell us, how can people hear your podcast? Um, the easiest way to find it is just whatever podcast platform that you use, like if it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever. I believe it's on like several others like Stitcher and all that. Just search Eerie Oki and it'll be the first thing that pops up. Also, you can just go to anchor.fm slash Eerie Oki if you want to do it on your browser. So Eerie, is that E-E-E-R-I-E-O-K-I-E? Yes, it's E-E-R-I-E-O-K-I-E. Eerie Oki. So go out mm-hmm. and listen to the podcast. I was looking, you've got like 50, 60 episodes and every one yes. of them I've listened to is superb. People are going to be out there going, I want to get this lady on our podcast. I want to publish her books. I want to find out more. How can people contact you, Marnie? Uh, the easiest way is eerieokipodcast at gmail.com. And I found you on Facebook as well, eerieoki. Yes. It is also, we are also on Facebook um, and Instagram, Irioki on both of those. What an amazing young lady Marnie is. Her writing is superb. Her podcast is superb. Her documentation of these paranormal stories, spiritual happenings and true crimes is absolutely superb. Check her out. This lady is going to be a name in the writing world. Marnie, could you leave our listeners with a final thought? Just something to send them to bed with. So this probably just applies applies mainly to the times that we're living in, but also mental health is a thing that I'm very, very passionate about. And if you are struggling with any kind of depression or anxiety or anything like that, hang in there because it can and does get better. Amen to that. Everyone, that is Marnie Vinge, author of the Eerie Short Reads, The Way It Ends, and the host of the Eerie podcast. And I think you can all agree what a beautiful, talented, gifted, compassionate young lady in the world is certainly a better place for having you in it, Marnie. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure for me, and I am so glad that we connected. This incredible interview continues after these important messages. Is the poltergeist syndrome the only type of paranormal phenomena that can really be proven? Read Poltergeist, a new investigation into destructive haunting today. Available on e-reader and wherever books are sold.
Visit www.sixth-books.com for more information. Become the alchemist of your world. In The Secret of the Alchemist, Colm Holland reveals how you can discover the power to miraculously change the world around you beyond all recognition and for the better. Colm will tell you the story of his encounter with Paolo Coelho and his best-selling book, The Alchemist, and how discovering the secret gave him the insights to achieve true empowerment in his life and how you can too. Read The Secret of the Alchemist today. Available from wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com to learn how you too can become the alchemist of your life. This is Jason Bland, host of Midwest Paranormal Presents Paranormal Soup, where we stream live as a webcast every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, with guests who will blow your mind. Live ghost box sessions where you can call into the show to see if the spirits will talk to you. And the World Wide Web of Weird, with the latest in paranormal news and evidence. We're bringing the weird every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Paranormal entities assaulting us. Ghost Sex The Violation is the best selling true account and study of paranormal sexual abuse. Ghost Sex The Violation by GL Davis is available on Kindle and through Amazon. Pray this never happens to you. What if the after effects of a near death experience were undeniable? What if a person could suddenly produce high quality paintings of the afterlife, or if they acquired the ability to compose classical symphonies? Read Shine On. The remarkable story of how I fell under a speeding train, journeyed to the afterlife, and the astonishing proof I brought back with me. Read Shine On today on e-readers and wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com today. Does Genesis teach that the human race was created by God or engineered by ETs? Read Escaping from Eden. Today, from wherever books are sold. GL here, and before we get back to the interview, did you know you can listen to this podcast not only ad-free, but with early VIP access as a TPC VIP Patreon. As a VIP, you will get two digital books, including my bestseller, Go Sex the Violation, to keep and read, plus digital content, two extra draws in our follower monthly book giveaway, and exclusive entry into a VIP Amazon gift voucher draw. This is the spooky part. All of that is just £3 or $3 to go VIP. So go VIP today so you don't hear ads like this again. Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. That's patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. On with the show. (laughs) 